0: Welcome to Grace Community Church On Demand, the weekly podcast from the Sunday services at Grace Community Church in Rupert, Idaho. Here at Grace, we believe in building the kingdom of God one person at a time. We're passionate about loving God, loving people, and following Jesus. Let's get into this week's message with Pastor Travis Turner. So last week, and I'm closing my message, my series of messages called Winning in Relationship. Last week, I started a two-part message was a subtitle um, of this winning in relationship. It was called, Should I Stay or Should I Go Now? And um, we talked about last week, and if you missed it, I encourage you to go back. Uh, we talked about when you might consider getting out of a relationship, a relationship that you're in. Um, it's toxic. It's not going anyplace. And we have a few less people here today. And so maybe, maybe people made some big... Dis- no, I'm just totally kidding. I wasn't sharing with you what you should do, but I was sharing with you some things to consider. Sometimes every relationship is not a good relationship and some of, some of them need to be moved on from. Fair enough? Okay, so this week I want to talk to you over the next few moments about relationships that, re- that require a fight, like you should fight for these relationships. And, um, and I'm gonna give you the answer Not all of the answers, but I'm going to give you the answer of what kind of relationships you should fight for before I even go any further. So the types of relationships that should be fought for is a marriage. Like, if you're married, and, and please don't buy into the lie of, of, well, we weren't even serving God before we were married. I'm telling you, if you are married right now, you're currently married right now, you need to pull out all of the stops, everything that you need to invest, whatever money it takes to get the help that you can to, to, to fight for that marriage. And I'm not saying that every marriage is going to make it, but it deserves your best. Amen, and uh, and there are some situations, and I'm not going to spend any time on this, but there are some situations where where marriages are just absolutely, you know, toxic, and 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 um, and you know maybe somebody is in danger. But I want to remind you that you serve a God that is a 12th hour god and he is able to restore everything that has been broken that's the miracle making god that we that we serve and so so marriages other relationships that should be fought for pull out all the stops everything it takes is family god has given you family and some of you i understand um you know you you, you maybe have put your best foot forward Tried to fight for the family relationship, and it still has ended up in a broken state. Um, you just have to answer: Did I give everything that I should have given? You know what I mean to keep this relationship alive. Because once again, families are worth fighting for, as crazy as some of our families are. And and uh, and I honestly believe this. I honestly believe this. In fact, my wife and I you know, we were just talking. I hope none of our families are watching, but, but, uh, we were just talking the other day and there was something that a family, her side of the family did. And I said, man, you got a crazy family. You, your family is crazy. And then she reminded me of some of the things that have happened in my family. And I'm like, you know what? We got crazy families. (laughs) We got crazy families. And, and the truth is, is I don't think that there is a such thing as a normal family. I think all of, your families are a little bit crazy just like my family is just a little bit crazy but that's make that's why we love them so much amen Amen. that's why we love them so much and so you got to fight for family and then you got to fight for friends you know friendships are worth the fight and especially i want to hit this harder than i did in first service but especially if they were godly relationships like if you can draw a line back to this relationship being a God relationship, then you need to pull out all of the stops and fight for that relationship. And not just fight that you can kinda get back to the place of you know being cordial around one another, but if at all possible, fight that that, 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 that relationship can be reconciled or restored. I'm just asking you: When God did what He did for you, did He come halfway, or did He go all the way? And so, and so, we give—we are so good at giving excuses as to why whatever effort that we've put towards the forgiveness is enough, and we hold ourselves back from giving all that is expected or should be given to the relate. We hold ourselves back because. We say things like, "Well, at least I'm not treating this person as I would have in my past," or, or maybe you know, you haven't lashed out at the person to the point where you know you treated the relationship like you would have in your in your past. But I'm just saying this: that if it's a God relationship, it needs to be worked on. Um, there is a drift that's taking place. I, I've done a lot of swimming um both in rivers and oceans anybody grow up around an ocean i didn't grow up around an ocean but i've lived around the ocean a lot been in a lot of places where where um you know i've spent a lot of time in the water and this is the deal if i'm around a body of water doesn't matter if it's a river a lake or an ocean or a bathtub i'm going to be in it and so And so one of the things I can tell you from experience of spending a lot of time in the ocean, I I lived on the Columbia River growing up, and the same thing, when waves come in, they come in at an angle. And if you're frolicking around in the water, you're just having a great old time in the water, and you're not paying attention in a matter of minutes, maybe 10, 15 minutes, you're going to stop and you're going to look back to the beach where your family is supposed to be. Because that's where you left them. They're, they're there. You're looking back at the beach and you're like, where are my kids? Where's my wife? Where did everybody go? And they're not there because you are 75 to 100 yards down the beach because when waves come in they don't come in parallel to the to the beach they come in at at an angle and all the while you're just going you're diving down in the water you're coming up and you know you're searching for things all the while you're drifting and you have no idea that you've even drifted and i'm telling you this that there's a whole lot of drifting going on in the area of relationships today it's because we're not paying attention to the areas that need to be paid attention to, right? It happens with our friends. We get busy. We get caught up. And and, and guess what? Sometimes even with our friends, we get too comfortable. And when we get too comfortable and we fail to respect the relationship, we fail to love one another, we get too comfortable, that, the next thing you know, we drift. And then things are said that should never have been said And now the relationship is destroyed. The question is, is should it be destroyed forever? Or should it be reconciled and restored? It's time to pull out all of the stops and take the steps necessary to reconcile. And I'll tell you that some of you guys have been through some very hard things. Some very hard things in your marriages. There are things that a husband should never say to his wife, but he said them. And guess what, ladies? There are some nasty things that women have said to their husbands that never should have been said, but guess what? She said them. And so we have to ask ourselves, listen, is this worth fighting for? Is it it worth reconciling? Can every relationship be reconciled? No, but listen to me. I think that the church has gotten so lackadaisical in this area We think that forgiveness is the end to all when God is a restorer of relationships. Why did Jesus come? So that our relationship that had been severed and broken with God could be restored. And so I'm telling you that reconciliation, while it may not be possible in every situation, it should be the goal that we're shooting for. And I'm telling you that if you are the one that is coming up short in keeping your husband at a distance, keeping your wife after she's asked you for your forgiveness, but you're still making her pay for it. If there's a friend in a relationship that has asked for forgiveness, and if you're the one that is just just fighting against it and just saying, you know what, it will never be I would caution you in your walk with that relationship because it mirrors the very walk that you have with God. You cannot have excellent, vertical relationship with God and treat the relationships that God has given you horizontally terrible. This is always gonna affect this. And so, pay attention, it happens in marriage. We become lackadaisical in our marriage. We stop prioritizing our wives and our husbands as the most important relationship of all relationships. And then we drift apart. It happens in the church. We tend, you know, we stop tending to God's way and we adopt um, opinions that are in direct opposition to who God is. And I'm just telling you, this is such a sad thing to me. But I'm just also saying this because I have a lot of conversations with folks. There's so many different opinions in the church. And guess what? There are opinions in this church that oppose God's opinion on certain things. So you would think that, man, we're all saved and we're all, you know what I'm saying? We all love the Lord and whatnot and our uh, our opinions would not vary much. But I'm telling you there is some crazy thinking that people have where your thoughts are in direct opposition to what it is that God thinks. And I'm just saying that's fine because I'm telling you what, every one of my thoughts were wrong when I first started walking with him. But the idea is, is that God's thoughts become my thoughts the longer that I walk with him. This is the whole, I must decrease so that he may increase in me, right? And so this is something that is that is ongoing, but... Listen, if you have opposing thoughts from the scripture, then you really need to reevaluate how it is that you're living your life and the decisions that you're living your life. You know, what it is that your thoughts are, how, how it's playing into the decisions that you, that you, that you make. Jeremiah 6.16 says this, we need to stand at the crossroads and look and ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it and you will find rest for your souls. Listen, God defines what he designs and it's God that has defined the relationship, right? God has defined the relationship. And so listen, when you stand at an altar, you're you're entering into a covenant relationship with somebody. You're, You're like, yes, I will marry you. And you spend that time and you're, You're given those incredible vows that, you know, hopefully you took a little bit more time than just Googling them, you know, but you, you, you gave some time and you thought about the vows that you were making and it's fantastic. And you were at that moment, you're saying, listen, babe, you are the most important outside of my relationship with God. Like you were the most important relationship that I have. And they look at you and they say, well, you're the most important relationship that I have. And then you spend, you know, 10 years together. And now that's just not the truth. You know, now maybe the friend is the most important relationship in the relation in, in, the, in the marriage. What do I mean by the friend? I mean, so you're together, all of a sudden you begin to drift apart. And then, you know, you're forming friends that are not mutual friends. And then all of the sudden, it's like, now you're asking me to stop hanging out with her. And so I'm not going to do that. If you're going to put that on me, then this relationship is finished. How is it that we drift to the point that a stranger, a friend, a friend still, but a stranger becomes more important than the husband or the wife? How, how, how crazy is it that softball, like, listen, you know, I, I'm just so tired of you treating softball like, like it is, like it's your husband or, or your wife. Listen, this is causing all kinds of issues. You're drinking when you go to play softball and it's causing problems in our marriage. And then the response is, the response is, well, if you don't like it, you can just leave. And so, the event becomes more important than the family unit. How do we get to this point? If we stop prioritizing, we stop prioritizing the people that matter the most in our lives. Pastor Robert Kazosi is a dear friend of mine. He pastors an incredible church in Uganda. And in fact, he is over many, many pastors in in uganda got a chance to visit with him um just this last trip that that i had had we went over to his house and had a great dinner and it was just amazing hanging with him and and robina well about 15 20 years ago when i first met pastor robert he was pastoring in a in a in a in a a village called masalita and we would go to this this village we would have these great conferences. And and what Pastor Robert was doing was he was changing the culture at that very time. You see, polygamy is still very real in Uganda. You can have, if you've got enough money, you can have a wife, and then you can have a second wife, and then you can have some people have third, fourths, and fifths, and six wives. And each of these wives, they don't share a house. They all have their own house. Why in the world would you ever want to do this? I have no idea. (laughs) That is the funniest head shake. He's like, nah. And what happens is, is the man goes from, from, we would call them huts, but house to house and um you know as 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 he wishes and so pastor robert is getting up and he's preaching the bible he's teaching the word that marriage is between one man and one woman that's marriage and so not only did he begin to teach in this area masalita but he also walked it out well how did he walk it out pastor travis he walked it out and this just would not happen it seems so common you know, what's the big deal with that but this is how he walked it out he took his hand his wife's hand robina's hand and he grabbed her by the hand and he would walk down the middle of the street you're thinking that's that's no big deal but if you've got more than one wife that's a big deal because what you're saying is this is my wife and i'm honoring her and i am loving and i'm i'm with her i belong to her and she belongs to me and this is not easy this is messy But as he began to teach and walk this out, now if you go to Masalita, it's very different because you will see husbands with their wives walking right down the street in the same manner that Pastor Robert and uh, Robina have done. But it's messy, it's not easy, and forgiveness is never easy, and reconciliation is never easy because what do you do? One man has five different wives, and those five different wives have a total of, of, of 25 different children. What do you do? This is what I asked him this last visit. I was, hey, how's that going? He's like, well, this is what's happening. The man continues to take care of his responsibility, but he cuts off the marriage relationship that are not recognized by the government. And so it's not easy, but he's no longer jumping from house to house to house, but he's still taking care of his business and his children. And sometimes even the women that were his wife, even though he's not treating her like his wife anymore, he's taking care of the responsibility. I'm telling you this, church. We think that this idea of forgiveness and doing things differently than than what's acceptably in a cultural fashion is easy, but it's very messy. But we're still called to walk it out. The Bible says that there's a way that appears to be right, but in the end, it leads to death. And I'm telling you, God is a God of forgiveness and he's a God of reconciliation, when at all possible. So listen, once again, my relationship with God is inseparable to my relationship to the people that God has given me. I cannot separate the two. I am held accountable for the relationships that I in, enter into. So I had a, I had a, just before first service, there was an awesome couple that are just so excited, so excited to, to, you know, they're brand new to the church like they're, they're, and, and they're wanting to get involved and, and man, I love that. How many of you love that? Yeah. But I'm telling you, there's a responsibility when you enter into a relationship with anybody and certainly the church. How has the church reacted to the responsibility? Let me tell you how the church reacts today to to their responsibility. They're they're, They're not responsible for it. If you get upset with something that I say, what you do is you pick up and you leave. There's no accountability. There's no relationship. There's no taking of responsibility. You pick up and you leave with your offense and you go someplace else. We can no longer do this. If you're going to be a friend to somebody, that means that you're going to bring them close enough to where it is that they're going to hurt you. And guess what? I'm telling you right now, they're going to hurt you. But you have a responsibility to the relationship to fix the relationship in all manners that it can be fixed. Some are not able to be fixed, right? There is a responsibility when you enter into a covenant relationship before the Lord with a husband and a wife. Well, I have just simply fallen out of love with you. Sorry, can't do it. The reason that you've fallen out of love with me is because you thought that you could fall in love with me. In the first place and you just don't fall in you were working the relationship at one point you stopped working the relationship and so when the relationship is busted and broken and you're ready to get out of the relationship this is just where you highlight the idea that i need more attention in my marriage i need to start working at my marriage once again But this is the deal. We're so easily just moved to, you know what? I'm just done with it. I don't have to do this anymore. It's the struggle. Who in the world told you that marriage was going to be easy in the first place? Who lied to you? Who told you that you're just going to have bliss for the rest of your days? It's going to take work. And guess what? The only way that you get, the only way that you get to 20 years is work. The only way that you get to 30 years is work. The only way that you get to 40 years is sacrifice and work. Right? It takes these things to continue. But I'm telling you, those of you that are quick to jump out of relationship into another relationship, you are hurting yourself and you're hurting your children and you're hurting your grandchildren. Because I'm telling you, I've been at that 12th hour where I was done with my wife and she was done with me. And thank God the Holy Spirit and people were bold enough to come and share some insight with us. Right now, we are, we are so blessed, come on, to enjoy our grandchildren together. That would not be the case had we just pulled the plug. And guess what? It would have been easy to pull the plug on. There's a responsibility. A new command I give you, this is found in John. Jesus said, love one another as I have loved you. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples for your love for one another. So you cannot allow things to remain in your heart as hard as those things are. And people have been mean to you. And guess what? The world would say you're justified and you are justified to be hurt. But you cannot, as a believer, allow things to to remain in your heart and think that you can advance with the Lord. It will not happen. So how I'm doing with God must include how am I doing with the people that God has given me. So let me just ask you a couple of questions. Who has upset you? Who has been very mean to you? Who right now have you identified that there is a problem Forgiveness has not been extended like it should. Who do you avoid? Who, who will you go to great extents? You know what I mean? To not be caught up in a close proximity with this other person. Who who makes your blood pressure when you're close to them? Who makes your blood pressure just rise? And you can feel it just right here. And you're just like, okay, just put it on your face, put it on your face, put it on your face, act like everything's just fine when things aren't fine. Who is it? See, because these are indicators that this is the very area that you need to get to work and do some work in. I'm in your business. This is for a lot of us here today. I've gotten a lot of these things right, and I'm telling you, I've gotten a lot of these things wrong. Matthew 24, 10, many will be offended. This word many actually means most most will betray one another, most will hate one another. Do we stay in this place? No, because the forgiven are called to forgive. Because if you don't forgive, my friend, you are not forgiven. You're not, It's a, this is a big deal. This is not something that we can just, see, and I shared this with first service, but I feel like God impressed on my heart something that is absolutely plaguing Christians today. We have bought into, we we have bought into the lie of thinking that we have forgiven somebody, but the truth is, is we have, we, what we're experiencing is fake forgiveness, fake forgiveness. It's like, I'm not acting the way I want to act. Therefore I've got self control. And so I therefore have forgiven. But I'm telling you what, the scripture talks about bitterness. Don't allow bitterness to to enter into your heart, to take root in your heart. And guess what? Bitterness is an emotion. It's a feeling. And so if you got the emotion and the feeling that is still chewing at you, you haven't forgiven. And I'm telling you, this is not easy, what I'm sharing, because some of you have been so brutally mistreated. But... We can't just say, ha, ah, the heck with it. Let me just ask you this Has God forgiven you more than what you've been willing to forgive somebody else? And how, how much did you deserve His forgiveness? I mean, whenever you're talking about forgiveness, you cannot, as a believer, first of all, I don't think it's even possible to forgive without having a very strong relationship with the Lord. But I'm telling you that you cannot just jump over what it is that Christ has done for you. And what did you bring to the, to the table for him to restore the relationship between you and he, and you and the Father? What was the extent, the sacrifice that was needed, you know what I mean, to forgive the debt that you owed? And, and so we have to allow that to move us to the extent that we're going to put in the work to forgive those that have harmed us, that have that have upset us. And it's been very true. So, so why do we struggle with forgiveness? Because we don't quite understand it. Forgiveness is not minimizing the offense and acting like it didn't hurt and it was okay. It did hurt and it's not okay. Forgiveness is not always reconciliation, but once again, reconciliation should be the goal in all, in all opportunities that are, that, are, that are possible. It should be the goal. But it's not always reconciliation. See, reconciliation, it takes two parties to reconcile. It's not just me wanting the relationship to be restored, but that other person has to be involved and invested as well. If you have only have one person that wants the reconciliation, it's not going to happen. But you can still forgive. See, reconciliation takes two people in the game. Forgiveness only takes one. You can absolutely forgive and have love in your heart for somebody that you'll never reconcile. For whatever, maybe they died or maybe they moved or you know the relationship is, is not in a place where it can even be built back. And it's not forgetting what has happened. Actually, it's remembering what has happened, but choosing to love in spite of what was happening, longing and, and, and desiring peace. Come on, even in the midst of what has happened. And once again, the only way that I know this is possible is when we take into consideration what it is that the Lord has done for us. Because the forgiven forgive. And you cannot forgive if you don't see yourself as being forgiven. Alright? There's a local pastor here that, that I could just tell you. He, he has talked about, um, he's talked about Grace Church and probably me personally from the pulpit. The reason why I know this because there have been many people that have come up to me. This is a small town. How many of you love small towns? Everything gets around. So this person's just not a fan. Not a fan of Travis. And, and that's okay. But... Uh, But so I hear all these stories. If I heard it one time, I've probably heard it 50 different times from different people. Man, this guy really does not like you. And so so every time I see him, I mad mug him and I snub him. And I just, no, I don't. No, what I do is when I see him, I make in, it's it's very intentional. I walk up to him and this is genuine. It's not fake. I walk up to him and I shake his hand and I say, hey, man, how the heck are you? And I ask him, I ask him, how is the church doing? And I just got this, like, uh, I really want to, how's the church, how's the church doing? He'll just tell me, and then guess what? I will celebrate how the church is doing. And so, and so all the while, all the while, nothing has happened in the area of of, of us building a, a great relationship I can just tell you this, while he is treating me like I'm his enemy, I'm not treating him that way. That is a brother in the Lord, amen, and he's building a great church and doing an incredible thing, but this is the deal. This is the deal. Some relationships are worth fighting for, even if you're the only one willing to fight, because I'm telling you, we're going to be in heaven together, and I promise you this, it's not going to be weird and and there's there's gonna be you know what i mean there's probably gonna be some man how silly and foolish was that going on and so this is an area where i've gotten many things wrong in my life even in the area of relationships this is an area where i'm grateful that i've gotten this right it feels good when we sometimes get it right right all right so number two we don't forgive because we don't think it's fair and the truth is it's not fair that person hurts you your husband said those things and how in the world can he ever take him back? But if he is genuine and sincere and he's like, listen, man, I am so sorry. I need to do better. You know, he may be acting and it's not, it's not, it's not right and it's not proper. But how many of us become what we're raised up in? How many of you said, man, I will never do what my dad did or what my mom did? Next thing you know, you're 40 years old and you're just like, man, I sound just like my dad <laughs> or just like, and, and that's not an excuse. We can't excuse it, but I'm telling you that when somebody asks for forgiveness and they're genuine, man, we need to pull out all the stops because God's forgiveness, how he has forgiven you, you don't want fair. Fair is you paying for Fair is you paying the debt but that he's paid for you. And so you don't want fair. Matthew 18, 21, I'm going to hit this quick. It says, then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? And he said, man, like seven times, because this brother of Peter had been offending him over and over and over and he probably came to jesus because he'd already offended him seven times and he's like man just tell me i don't have to do it no more right i don't have to do it no more is it like seven times and Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. There's another passage of scripture that says 70 times seven, which I did the math. That's 490 times. Come on, somebody. That's in one day. So that's every three seconds. If the guy doesn't go to sleep in a 24-hour period, you've got to forgive. And so it's not a matter of the numbers and, man, we've reached that. It's talking about unconditional forgiveness, just like we've got to work work at doing this. And guess what? I know it's hard. It's difficult. This guy's been an idiot to you, but in light of what it is that I have done for you, you've got to work for forgiveness. And so it goes on to say, therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents, which I Googled this morning, what is 10,000 talents biblical worth today? It's $40.8 million. So $40 million was, was, uh, was owed. And since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. The servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything that I owe you. The servant's master took pity on him and canceled the debt. He canceled it completely. 40 million bucks, you don't owe it anymore. And he let him go. But when the servant that was forgiven that great debt went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 denarii, which is equivalent to $6,000, still a bunch of money, just washed it away. Uh, or 6,000 bucks. This guy that had been forgiven this debt grabbed the other guy and began to choke him. He's choking him out, hands around his neck. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. And his fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, said the same thing that this man just said to his master, be patient with me and I'll pay you back everything that I owe. But he refused Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. And so, when the other servants saw how he had treated this man, especially after he had been forgiven the incredible debt, they were upset and they went to their master and said, What, you know, they told their master what had happened. Then the master called the servant in, You wicked servant, I canceled all of your debt, $40 million worth of debt, because you begged me to. And then he says this, and I want you to highlight this in your Bible, shouldn't you have had mercy? And he really is gonna draw this close, but I canceled this great debt that you owed me, and then he puts it right back on him, shouldn't you have had mercy? And I am telling you, my friend, I didn't share this first service, But those of you that hold grudges and unforgiveness in your heart, I feel like right now you're gonna answer to this, you're gonna answer the Lord this question, shouldn't you have had mercy in this situation? In light of all that I've done for you, shouldn't you have had mercy on your servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until all that he owed was paid This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. So once again, how do we pull up short in this area of forgiveness after we've been forgiven so much? When we walk in forgiveness, I'm telling you, there's a freedom that we experience. There's a peace that we experience. And guess what? Your life is so attractive when you walk in forgiveness That people that do not even know Jesus as Lord and Savior are going to be drawn to them because of the way that you live your life. So C.S. Lewis said it like this. You can't even beat this. This is so good. To be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. So when somebody comes to you and they say, I'm sorry, in light of the harsh things that they have done, it's inexcusable. But you have received grace and mercy for the inexcusable things that you've done. God has given you forgiveness, so ought you not give the same thing, right? Do you know this right now? Check this out. How many of you know that Russia is, is, uh, is, is just killing mass, mass amounts of people in Ukraine? Do you know this, that there are, there are Ukrainian churches that are not only praying for their own people, but they're praying for Russia too? powerful is that families are being destroyed but yet there's something in the heart of people where they're standing in the gap and asking god's blessing and prayer and praying for for people that are that are harming them and we got it wrong we got we got it so hard because anyway i I, enough of that i i don't want to minimize the hurt that has been that has been done in your life because it's huge but We don't forgive also, number three, because we don't think that we can. And I'm just saying that there's nobody that ever said that forgiveness was easy. And there's nobody that said that I've got this great desire just to forgive people that have wronged me. But yet we're called to do it anyway. All right. So what do we do for people that have wounded us? We look at the... um, Uh, the best message that has ever been preached is the Sermon on the Mount. These are three things that I've extracted out of the Sermon on the Mount. Number one, we pray for them. Once again, it's crazy that you've got Ukrainians right now in, in all of the loss and the hardships that are praying for, for the people that are causing those things. That, that, that's a, that's a Holy Spirit moment when you can do that. All right. So you pray for them. And, um, And you don't pray hardship, you pray blessing over them. Matthew 5 and verse 43 is this. You've heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy, right? That's how the world views it. But he says, but I tell you, uh, love your enemies and praise for those who persecute you. Go to the Lord and ask that God bless them. Ask that God give them favor. And guess what? Not only is a work gonna be done in their life, but a work's gonna be done in your life too. Number two is bless. Actually, I'm just gonna hit this. I didn't hit this first service. I'm just gonna hit it real quick and I'll take something else out. One of the best ways when I used to counsel people, and mainly this is marriages. Pastor Javi and Davina, they counsel people, do a great job, and then they've got other people that they're training up, and, and like Robin and Jerry, you're doing an incredible job. If you, if you, if you just, uh, just, we want to expand this ministry of helping people in marriages, and if you feel like, like you'd like to be a part of that, would you please come talk to us? We'd like to get you involved. But one of the best things that you can do when a couple that's struggling come into your office, and man, they are mad fiery it's cold staring daggers and things like that but they're there they're there somebody say that's awesome that they're there one of the best things that you can do as a counselor is say okay listen we want to start with prayer and both of them are pretty excited about that yeah yeah we need to pray and so this is what you say you say okay i want you to pray for your wife and then when he's done i want you to pray for your husband See, because there's something that happens in prayer that if we really go before the Lord and we're, and we're praying, as much as we don't want to pray out loud and stand in that gap and pray God's blessing, man, when you begin to do that, the whole atmosphere begins to shift and change. I mean, check this out. Read the book of Psalms. The book of Psalms is often, it, it, it's like, you know, each of the Psalms are so interesting. It's like, God, where are you? I can't find you. Have you just, you know, have you left the one that, that loves you so much? Da, 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 da. And, and why have you despised me? Why I'm so discouraged. I'm just so, and then all of a sudden at the end of the Psalms, at the end of that psalm, you've got, man, I just love you so much, God. Thank you for your blessing. So what in the world happens? Something significant happens when you begin to pray, when you begin to pray. And so honestly, you want just, to just give yourself a chance. You're not ready to bring somebody else in to try to help you out in the area of marriage. Start really praying for one another and see what will happen there. Number two is bless them. To bless means to speak well of in private, but also publicly. Speak well of those people. Don't, be, don't you know, speak well of them to their face and then something different behind their back. Luke chapter six and verse 27 says, but I tell you, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you and pray for those who mistreat you. It's interesting that sometimes we have a better time loving our enemy than we do loving and having compassion and mercy for the same people that we share a roof with. Sometimes we're more apt to give forgiveness to people that are a stranger and we we don't give as much forgiveness to the people that live under our same roof. Bless those who persecute you, the Bible says. Bless and do not curse. Number three is this, my last point, do good to them. Do good to people that have not done good to you. The Bible says, Romans 12, 17, do not repay anyone evil for evil, be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you. This is a big point. Why does it put that in there? If it's possible, as far as it depends on you. Like, listen, if you're in a relationship with this, say, a friendship, and God has been in the middle of that, that friendship, but something has happened, and that person has come and said, man, please forgive me for what it is that I've done. Like, if you're pulling up short on them... You're going to give an answer for that. It says, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge. Leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it's mine to avenge, I will repay. And then it says this, on the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. And if he's thirsty, give him something to drink. Is it hard? You better believe it. It's going to be the hardest thing that you've ever done. But it's important. It's only hard if you've never seen it modeled. And if you're a Christian, you've seen it modeled. Just do what God has done for you. That's what we're called to do. Man, I would love for us to go through some years at Grace Church where we see divorce come to an end. It breaks my heart so much. And and you know what breaks my heart even more than two people just calling it quits? It breaks my heart seeing how it affects the children. Sometimes we're just so stinking selfish as people, and I'm talking right, I don't have to go out there, I just talk right here. Sometimes I can be so selfish, the only person I care about is me and the damage that unfortunately a lot of these kids, you know what I mean, have to go through. It, they, it's unnecessary. And if you don't think that it affects kids, I've literally seen little kids, five, six, seven, eight, nine-year-olds balled up on the floor, brokenhearted. Matter of fact, let me just, let me just I'll, I'll just tell you something. I got a, uh, a card. We got the prayer cards. We got the prayer cards in the back of the seats. I came in this week and there was a prayer card on my seat. So it was intentionally left there. And it was from a child that was praying please pray for my family i think my parents are going to get a divorce my dad doesn't live with us any longer she said i'm praying to jesus that he will restore my family you know what i would love to see i would love to see her connect jesus and her prayers to her father coming back into the house again It hurts so bad. And guess what hurt people hurt people. A lot of children are going to grow up and they're going to walk away from relationships because it's so easy for moms and dads to walk away from relationships. For honestly, the most silly of things. We are so selfish and we need to repent of our sins. We need to learn to love and serve the people that God has given us better. I don't do a great job of it all the time. I'm doing a better job of it now and it it caused me or I had to go through a near-death experience. I just want to remind you something that I learned. I almost died a couple months ago, um, very close to death. And and let me tell you what I wasn't worried about. I wasn't worried about anything but my everything was relationships relationship with God I was worried about it relationship with my wife and my family I was worried about it meaning it was important to me and my relationship with you all God-given relationships like those were the only three things on my mind when I was at that crossover point could have been both ways my retirement wasn't even on the like it's crazy what we put joy into man I'm So good, I got seven hundred fifty thousand dollars. I don't, but maybe some of you (laughs) do. I got seven hundred fifty thousand dollars. I'm, I'm gonna be pretty good in retirement, man. I'm just gonna be good, you know. I got a property I can sell, or when you're at that threshold of crossing over, I'm guessing that the main things that you're gonna think about that retirement, my friend, is not gonna do any good for you at that moment. But the relationships and and how you treated those relationships and the impression that you left on the lives of the people that God had given you are gonna be the things that that matter. And everything else, it just it just doesn't matter. So listen. Long way to get to it, but as you have been forgiven, and it only takes the it the only way you can do this is by the way of the Holy Spirit. As you have been forgiven, work. Pray, bring the Lord into the center so that you can forgive those that have hurt you. Let's do a better job of walking and sharing life together. That's it for today's teaching. Hey, here's an idea. Share today's message with a friend or family member. If you're listening from outside our fellowship, we'd love to meet you. Visit graceid.org and hit the contact form to get in touch.